0: to scale your results without working harder. To learn more, click the link in the show notes or go to milliondollarsellerchallenge.com.
1: Welcome to the 2X Podcast. Here's your host, Bill Kasky.
0: Well, I'm really pleased and grateful that we're able to have Ray Dial as our guest today on the 2X Podcast. And uh, Ray and I have talked several times. He's a listener to our podcast over the years. And in full disclosure, I'm going to be working with Ray, doing a little work with him next year at one of the conferences that he puts on. Ray is CEO of Pathway Strategies. He founded the firm. And he likes to think of himself not just as a CEO, but also a head coach. And so we're going to talk with Ray a little bit today about lots of stuff, a lot about leadership. So, Ray, welcome to the 2X Podcast.
1: (laughs) Thanks, Bill. (laughs) Appreciate it.
0: So tell me, what's the arc of Ray Dial's story? How did it all begin for you? Give us a minute or two on, uh, on how you got to where you are today, assuming where you are is worthy of talking about, which I know it is.
1: I was actually a science geek. Um, chemistry, anatomy, physiology. I went to school to be a doctor and then decided, nah, that didn't really sound like much fun to me. Um, fortunately, my both of my parents actually owned businesses. So I got a chance to see what, um, what that was like and, and ended up in business. And what I realized um, pretty early on was it was never really about a position or a role for me. It was just about the evolution of a business and all of its components and its complexities. And it was always just a fun puzzle for me to solve. I ended up starting in the business development side of things. Um, sales monkey on the street. And um, went through progressive positions inside of organizations and ultimately ended up running organizations that were $20 million to $60 million a year. But the reality is, it was never about running an organization or having those positions. It was always just what the next right thing was. And that always seemed pretty obvious to me. So quick story. So I had this um, position was called Regional President, which was really just a really cushy job for babysitting channel partners. After about a month and a half, I, of course, did the analysis on all of the regional presidents and what was working and who was doing well and who wasn't doing well, so I could model that to the degree I could. Well, it took me about a week to figure out that the regional presidents, it was a fairly hefty number with all the regional presidents, were not actually impacting the business at all. <laughs> so I, I wrote a memo to the um, CEO, Time. And said, hey, listen, it uh, doesn't look like this is impacting sales. And he called me, his office, he said, are you really telling me that your position is not valuable? And I said, listen, if I can figure it out, so can somebody else. It's just not a problem. <laughs> so about six weeks later, I became the executive vice president of the organization and then was um, tasked with appropriately letting all of the regional presidents go. Oh, beautiful. And, <laughs> beautiful. and that's... That really typifies just kind of the way I see things. It's not really about me. It's kind of what the right thing for the people and the right thing for the business is. And if you just want to be honest, it will show up to the work.
0: That's, that's so true. I just, the truth, the truth, it's just such a missing, it's such a missing asset today. And uh, you just told the truth as you saw it and you risked, I presume you risk maybe even your job because uh, <laughs> like he said, you know, are you prepared to tell me that you are not valuable.
1: Yeah, well, it was clearly a risk of the job, but the reality is the risk existed inherently regardless of whether I brought it up or not. Yes, right. if I can figure it out, somebody else can figure it out. So I'm not so brilliant that I was the only person on the planet who would have figured that out over time. So why not just call it and get ahead of it?
0: Yeah, that's good. That's good. So you've been a leader, uh, Ray, in your industry. And the industry that you're in is the human, is the HR industry. Is that correct or not correct? And if it's not, then
1: embellish that a little bit. Yeah, I would say it's kind of a combination of HR outsourcing and business process outsourcing. So it's really all of the administrative tasks, um, technology, insurance that small organizations use to um, manage and employ their Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of work and regulation and technology and expense associated with that. And the HR outsourcing industry is really designed to provide a foundation for organizations as well as the expertise and, of course, the you know, buying power that hopefully comes with in the outsourcing relationship. Mm-hmm. Good.
0: So you you kind of uh, in the most recent few years, you've stepped out as a leader in your industry, not just, and by leader, I mean, somebody who's, you're, you're shooting videos, you're out there speaking, you're doing conferences. What prompted you to become an industry leader versus just a company leader?
1: <laughs> so so they're, they're really kind of opposing um, perspectives, but, but one is, um, I, I was just, um, full of, full of myself enough to believe that it could be done better. <laughs> um, and then, Secondly, um, and I would say, probably more importantly at this point in time, um, I have had a really good life. I've been really fortunate to do a lot of really amazing things with organizations, and it just felt like time to be able to give back. Mm-hmm. So, a fair amount of what I do is is really about my mission, which is helping the industry evolve overall, and then the individuals and the organizations inside that industry. So, I mean, I, I meant I needed to get out front when I lose my way, as I think all of us do at some point in time, whenever I remember that's really what I'm up to, then then that's what brings me back. And I would say that how I run the business, um, the work that I do, if you will, the pro bono work that I do is is all really just in line with that. Mm -hmm. Um, If I don't have something that's bigger than myself, then, then I find that I get too focused on what I think and what I feel. And while some days that's really important, most days it's just one more perspective. Yeah, yeah, you mentioned
0: get, getting back to the mission and the, the, you know, the kind of the customer mission or the market mission. What do you think you see a lot of leaders? I mean, number one, you are one, but number two, you work with a lot of them in your industry. What uh, there's a lot of headwinds for leaders today. What do you think are a couple that most leaders really struggle with? And it could be something as technical as your specific industry, but I'd prefer if you could kind of broaden out a little bit to leaders in general, regardless of what industry they're in. What are a couple of things you see them really fighting and struggling with and not able to navigate around?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I think for most people, and I would say this is true for me as well the first piece is being clear about what you want and then it being okay that that's what you want. So there's plenty of organizations that, um, got a leader who's running a lifestyle business or someone who's happy in that role, who doesn't want to progress, um, who is just kind of maintaining whatever that is. It's okay. Just be clear about what you want. See a lot of conflict with hey, this is what I really want, but this is kind of what I think everyone else wants me to have or be or otherwise. (laughs) Um, and you end up in conflict, and I think that conflict as a leader shows up in your communications, and the people around you will certainly see it and and in that conflict uh, they'll be less clear um,
0: so so i presume I presume that comes when we Gather for executive retreats and we start to establish our goals for the year and we think consensus is the magic is the magic potion and so we go around the table and you know what do you want to accomplish what do you want to accomplish so you're suggesting that uh, the leaders need to be a little bit more vocal and a little bit more specific about what the leader wants in the business and then allow people to talk more about how we're going to get there or what part of the
1: pie they might represent. <laughs> Yeah, I think in those meetings, everyone talks about what they want. I don't think what they do is talk enough about what they don't want. There's two ways to uh, paint a box. One is paint the box from coloring on the insides. The other is to paint all of the outside and what's left is the box. Mm. And I think being okay with we don't want to be that and we don't need to be that is as important as who we want to be and what we do want. I think both have to be there in order to create clarity. Yeah,
0: That's so true. We're just we're going through a 2018 planning session right now. And that is one of the things that uh, is on is on the sheet for all of us to answer. And that is, what will we not tolerate? What are we not willing to tolerate, whether it's travel on the weekends, whether it's a certain type of client, but you can start if you answer that. If you take 30 minutes and answer that question, there's a lot of things that we don't want. And that just clarifies what we do. I like that.
1: Yeah, I think the second thing that I see a lot is the willingness and the ability to simply adapt. We get really positional and and feel really good and really proud about um, either what we've built or what we've done. And I think it becomes more risky, if you will, over time to change those things that either you build your career on or that you champion and to be okay letting those go. And saying, that's just not working any longer. No matter what we feel, how attached or connected we are to what we've done or what we think, being okay with the fact that you just have to say, it's just not working. We have to let that go. Yeah. Or we need to go in a different direction and just go through the, the emotional speed bumps that are required um, to just let it go and and move and change
0: it. I'm reading a book by a guy named Parker Palmer, uh, who wrote a book called Let Your Life Speak. And uh, he's a teacher's teacher, and he's written a lot about teaching theory and how to engage students. And this this, uh, book is really more about the seasons of our life. And he talks about winter. And winter is that time where we have to kill things. And we kill Uh things... Like projects that don't quite measure up, they might have worked 20 years ago, but there's no reason to resuscitate them every year just because it was Bob's idea and Bob's still the, you know, CFO. We, we really do have to do that. And killing things brings life to the organization because it just takes away the misery of, oh, gosh, here we go again, trying to resuscitate this thing. And it just it's, it's inspiring to kill things.
1: Yes, it's freeing, too. So it, it lightens the load. Um, once we aren't attached to it, and once we realize it, it doesn't really mean anything about us, it's just okay that things changed, yeah, I think
0: uh, my next question was a little bit about the inner the inner work that leaders have to do, and I know leaders love to do the outer work and how to coach and how to strategize and how to market their products, but I also think that what you've just hit on is the is the inner side of leadership and the mental side and the ability to let things go and detach when things don't work. It's tough because it requires courage and it requires Uh vulnerability and sometimes even shame because uh, it was my idea. But now I've got to come back to the team and say, you know, my great idea from two years ago, we got to abort that. It's just not working anymore. It's really hard. So the, the leader has to be really courageous and have some good inner game
1: work. I, I would say um, a a, um, a really good inner game. You know that whole that whole path is um, painful. Yeah. Um, until you become okay with the truth, as we talked about, and just be really honest with yourself, um, and it be okay, right? You know that that whole path of. No, you got to be the smartest person in the room and, you know, you have to always be right and and all of that. By the way, it feels really good when you can maintain it. But the reality is no one can maintain it. No, that's right. At some some point in time, you end up disassembled on the floor in a puddle and you might be the only one in the room not to admit it. But everyone has to go through that at some point in time before you go, oh, this really isn't working any longer.
0: (laughs) And when they leave that when everybody in your team on your team leaves that meeting, they're all talking about how it's not gonna work. So you might as well just admit it to everybody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, how important is it for a leader to be and I know this is, this is going to sound weird. Perfectly honest, or authentic, or truthful. When the when the leader says, "Look, I know we've got a goal here. I have no idea how we're going to meet this goal, and and you don't either. We're really collectively bewildered about this. Is that okay to say, or?" I think leaders sometimes take on the persona of having to have all the answers like you just said and to me that is so inspiring to have the leader say I have no idea how the hell to make this happen but we all agree we want to make it happen now we got to figure out how is that a is that a decent trait for a leader or do you think you know br- brought up in the wrong place that can that can exemplify weakness and now everybody's going to be you know feeling like they're they're going to take advantage of that situation what do you think about that
1: yeah it's a great question First of all, I, I spent most of my career being really serious about everything, all the time. <laughs> Driving and hitting the next number and all of that, which was fine. And I, you know, fortunately I was able to hit a lot of that. Man, it wasn't fun at all. Yeah. If you decide you're gonna get in a room with folks and say, Hey, here's <clears throat> here's where we need to go, and you get everyone on the team, first of all, it's just a lot more fun. And if everyone is having more fun, you're more likely to get there. I think the other thing that it does is it's okay to say, hey, I don't know. We're going to keep going. And I think one of the best pieces, and this for me is one of the key traders of a great leader, is that um, they're okay making mistakes, owning it out loud, not punishing or beating somebody for it. And say, hey, listen, we're going to make a lot of mistakes along the way. So I think as long as you're not setting the expectation that I don't know how to get there, but we have to do it perfectly, and that you've built in... The reality that you're going to have to zigzag a bit and abandon the boat and go swim over to another one and get back in it, and you build that piece of it in, kind of takes the pressure off, and yeah. then everyone's willing to do their piece. I think the challenge for the leader in that respect is making sure that they're managing that everyone's all going in the direction at the same time. That has a lot to do with communication at the end of that. So it can't be a hey, I don't know where to go, everyone go and come back and see how it all goes. There still needs to be no, some structure no, there. Right, right. But I think that piece of it gives everyone freedom for their best self to show up. And I think everyone gets surprised by what's possible. Um, yeah. And there's the other side of that is most of us are conditioned when things don't go well, we feel bad about it. Right. And people get in doldrums and then there's the arguments and all the stuff that goes along with it. As long as you've created that, Hey, we don't know. And it's okay if we don't know. And it's okay if we make mistakes and, and you keep that as present mm-hmm. and readjust. I think Everyone's better for it, I do and too. I will tell you more importantly: if you can get a team to do that and figure out how to get someplace without knowing how, you think about if you had an organization full of people like that. Wow! Well, what could you accomplish? But you have to stand in front of them and say, "I don't know, but I'm going to lead anyway." And then, by that very nature, they will learn to do it as well. Yeah, and I think that's powerful.
0: Yeah, it was just uh, yeah. It's good. That's good. I think also it releases uh, creativity inside the organization. It's hard to be creative when I have pressures on me. Maybe I've put them on myself, but it's hard to create that way. And I think what you're talking about here releases a fair amount of creativity for people to think a little bit differently. So uh, I think that's a, maybe a side benefit of that. Hey, how important, uh, you know, I work with a fair number of companies and I've seen that the, the leader... And in, in many cases, it's the founder, the CEO, the president, is is very reluctant to be out there as the voice of the company, to be the figurehead, to be the, you know, the, the guy or lady doing the videos and and on LinkedIn and, and doing the media appearances. And it doesn't necessarily mean on Oprah, but media appearances could be on Facebook Live, it could be in digital social media. There's a lot of reluctance there. Uh, you have not been reluctant to do that. What? Why is there so much reluctance on the leaders' part? Do you Do you imagine? I think it comes from lots
1: of expectations of what being out front actually is supposed to do. Right? We have lots of construct around. You know, you've got to say the right thing, and listen. The the, the what we see in CNN and the like is people get torn apart for saying the wrong word, right? And then it's a week and a half a news cycle because <laughs> of someone's tonality or they use the wrong tense of a word and. Now they all that so I you know I can certainly understand how people would be concerned about it but I, I think the, the reality is we as marketers and organizations need people to be connected to our organizations the story of our organization and, and understand who we are and I think that's really the the role of that kind of senior leader is to tell the story. No one's going to tell their story like they're going to. Yeah. No one's going to tell with the same amount of passion. And I think as long as they have some sense of you know, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, but just be authentic and tell their story. People will connect with that. And I, and I joke with people who are, I coach to go do this. I said, you ever been in a dance floor where you saw someone dancing who may not have been the most attractive person? However, they completely owned it and just <laughs> danced like crazy. That's the one that everyone watches and appreciate. If everything else falls apart, they're just being totally them and out there. And I think people connect with that. As long as you understand, not everyone's going to like everything you do. I, I think it's critical, and yeah. I think it sets the tone for the. I think it sets the whole tone for the organization when the the leaders are willing to tell the story and I, be part of that. I agree. I totally agree.
0: We're speaking with Ray Dial today. Uh, Ray, how can people uh, get a hold of your company, Pathway Strategies? Ray, CEO. What's the best
1: website? Best website um, actually is Ray Dial at PEO Masterclass. Uh, That's uh, The other one is the technical training, that uh, kind of stuff. But the, the, the one where we do the fun stuff is PEO masterclass.
0: Okay. PEO masterclass. Okay, good. What In finishing up here, what advice would you have? We've got listeners from all different walks of life here, primarily in the sales and sales leadership area. Let's say there's a sales professional who's maybe at the top of his or her game year in, year out, and they have dreams of being a VP of sales or sales director. What are a couple of hints or tips you can give to them as they prepare for that role that they should be doing, thinking, acting? What, what
1: should they be doing to prepare for a VP of sales role? It's a g- really good question. I think my answer may sound somewhat counterintuitive. It's do the job before you get the job. And what I mean by that is there's always things that you can do to contribute to who either the current VP is or if that, there isn't a VP, the CEO understanding what that role is and helping them be successful in that role will help you understand what's necessary in that role. As you become the VP or senior VP, whatever, understand that you're always managing not to your boss, but to your boss's boss. So if you report to the CEO, then you need to be thinking about what the board is asking of them. And if you can gain that perspective, then you're going to be much more aligned to the leadership. You have to be able to be really good at getting out of your own way, so we, especially in the business development side, are really good at talking and the, you know, the emotional strength and pushing through all of that, but stepping aside and realizing that it's not your light any longer, it's everybody else's light, and that's no easy path to that. Um, that's a lot of soul searching to realize that it, that your wins are now somebody else's wins, and I think those those are some of the hardest pieces to do. Mm-hmm. So to me, the underlying of that is get really good at coaching. Not coaching on how to be a better prospector or, or at sales process, but coaching people on them evolving to that next level. I think what you'll find is it might be the most rewarding thing you ever did. That's, those are three good ideas. Yeah, I love your
0: idea of be Be who you want to be before you are there. I mean, that's just because at some point uh, when the VP of sales leaves or when he or she moves on and they're looking for somebody else, it's going to be easier if they say, well, heck, Ray's already doing 90% of that job anyway. Let's just put him in the role (laughs) versus your resume stacked up with 100 others and you haven't taken those actions. I love that. I think that's so true. Uh, It's a great tip for leaders. Ray, we appreciate you being on the show today. And for being on the show, I'm going to – no, there's nothing for being on the show other than the fact that (laughs) you will be featured on the 2X website with your beautiful picture. We really appreciate you and the work you do, and I'm looking forward to spending more time with you next year. And thanks for your uh, very valuable time and insight today on leadership. I thought it was really awesome.
1: Yeah, lots of fun. Thanks, Bill. You've been listening to the 2X Podcast. If you'd like to contact Bill, email him at bill at billcaskey.com or follow him on Twitter at BillKaske.com.